This is a CBC Podcast. I'm Dr. Brian Goldman. This is White Coat Black Art, the show about medicine from all sides of the gurney. Today, we're bringing you one of our favorite programs from April 2019. It's about a unique clinic in Toronto that helps women with disabilities like the one you're about to meet give birth to healthy babies. Make sure to stay tuned for an update on the family at the end of the show. Hi, my name is Christine, and I was born with a disability. I'm also eight weeks pregnant, so I'm going to be recording my daily life and my journal about what it's like to be pregnant and disabled. Come check it out. What you're hearing is a bit of sound from a video blog called Pregabled. It was created by a Toronto woman named Christine Lumelon, who has cerebral palsy. Christine wanted to share her story of being disabled and pregnant to help other women who might be looking for resources or support. And, um, so today, my um, an occupational therapist is coming to check my place out and see if everything is safe. I've gotten um, a suggestion that I, I should get a walker and um, I'm getting a motorized wheelchair. When she unexpectedly got pregnant last year, she had a hard time finding information about pregnancy and disability. Given that CP isn't her only challenge, she was looking for reassurance. What else do you have? I have polycystic ovaries, so I wasn't even sure if I'd be able to even get pregnant. So it wasn't planned, and I have diabetes. And did you have that before yes. you were pregnant? So, so that's um, another, that's risk, another yeah. issue as well. Definitely. Uh, so this is a real miracle baby for you. <laughs> yes, definitely. Fortunately for Christine, her family physician referred her to a doctor named Ann Berndl at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Centre in Toronto. Dr. Berndl, a maternal fetal medicine specialist, runs a unique clinic that specializes in care for women with physical disabilities. So to my knowledge, uh, this is the only one of its kind currently uh, in, in North America. In North America. It helps them during their pregnancy, the birth of their children, and their first few weeks of motherhood. Uh, there have been some other uh, gynecological clinics that are, are dedicated to women with physical disabilities, but not the pregnancy aspect. Both women are breaking down barriers to motherhood for disabled women. Some obstacles are medical and physical, but they're also challenging a culture which has been slow to accept the idea that women with disabilities could be mothers. So, um, this week, actually, we're going to find out if I'm going to get a C-section or um, um, just a natural birth. Look how big I am. He's already five pounds. Uh, First, let's meet Christine. I met her last fall at the Accessible Care Pregnancy Clinic, where she had an exciting day ahead. How excited are you right now? I'm very excited. <laughs> How far along are you? I'm uh, 36 weeks, but I have two more weeks till with my C-section. I got to sit in on Christine's 36-week checkup. Hi, Christine. <laughs> you ready for your ultrasound? Yes, she got an ultrasound to check on the baby's size and weight. It's just I need to get a good measurement, so that's why I'm just putting a little pressure, okay? So. His heartbeat's good. That's a little heart beating there. Oh. That's the bum of the baby on this side. You see? Little toes. <laughs> toes are so big. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the baby's growing, right? Yes. Yeah. Having cerebral palsy makes vaginal birth more challenging. Christine had pretty much decided to have a cesarean section, but she wanted to keep her options open. 
After the ultrasound, it was time for Christine to see Dr. Berndl. Thank you. Okay, for sure. Hi, how are you? Hi, I'm excited. Good to see you. Me too. Well, why don't you come on in and we'll Thank look you. over things, okay? Okay, yeah, sure. come on. You've been feeling well? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited now. Yeah, lots of movement? Oh, yeah, it's been moving all day. <laughs> it's always a good sign. I'm just looking at your scan here. The clinic got the name Accessible because it was built to accommodate women who, like Christine, have physical disabilities. They give me more time in the ultrasounds, and it's like if I need the beds lowered, they lower in. So tell me a little bit about your disability, about your CP, and, and how you get around. I walk with a cane right now. Um, it affects my balance, my cerebral palsy, and I'm very mild. As your body's changed, it's gotten yes. more more noticeable? Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so what have you had to do differently as a result? Now that he's gotten bigger, I, I use a wheelchair sometimes, and I have a walker at home because I get tired easily. And uh, I have to, after pregnancy, I'm going to be using a motorized wheelchair so that I could hold him and be secure. And they arranged all that here? Yes, definitely, at the seating clinic. I've heard that the clinic is kind of a one-stop. They make it, they try to make it convenient, so convenient yes. that you don't have to come back many times. Um, especially since, like, I'm working with them, the diabetes team, too. So it's all been here. How many specialists, how many kinds of people oh, have you, have you, have you um, been working with here? I'm not sure. I think four or five. I have a social worker. I know a lot of uh, diabetes team. Occupational therapist. Occupational t therapist, and um, the seating. Uh, yeah, the the seating clinic. I think one of the the big things that we do is the integrative care, um, in that we have access to a lot of professionals in the same place at the same time. So there's a lot of um, ability for a woman to complete her visits in one day, as opposed to over a number of different days. Um, we also have uh, space in our ultrasound rooms uh, for women who might come in with a mobility device, um, in that if let's say someone uses a wheelchair or needs a Hoyer lift, that they can have a space where they can use those things um, and have a scan that's done then come to us we have a wheelchair accessible scale as opposed to need to go to one hospital or one wing of the hospital to be weighed and then come back so really just trying to bring everything together and you have something called an accessible birthing center so how's that different it's a, a suite that we have upstairs on labor and delivery um, and it's a very large room uh, in that it has an accessible uh, shower within it uh, the space can accommodate you know a power chair which the power chairs can be quite large. It can accommodate a Hoyer lift in there as well, which is also quite large. And there's a lot of space for family and friends in there. So it's really sort of our, our corner office suite. Something that caught my ear when you were talking to Christine was this complex uh, case conference. Mm -hmm. So tell me about that. So many women in the accessible care pregnancy clinic, because they see a really uh, interdisciplinary team, we want to make sure that uh, we're all communicating really clearly with one another. And that was one of the major pillars when we developed this clinic was excellence in communication was a, a huge goal that we had. If you look in the literature and also from our initial interviews that we did with women, uh, the different specialties are not speaking to one another. And then there's confusion um, and a sense of stress surrounding birth, which should be a happy experience. 
experience. So uh, one of the big things we try to do is really make sure we're having really good communication. Our case conferences involve the woman herself and her support people. So we meet as a, as a interdisciplinary team, um, which includes uh, anyone who could have been involved in her care to make sure that we're all speaking to one another. We can ask each other questions um, and she can ask us specific questions if she has really you know specific worries or thoughts about things and we're all on the same page. So nothing about Christine without Christine. Exactly. Yeah. Before I came here I was anxious and I just didn't know anything about about even even if people with cerebral palsy could have a child without any help or. And they've relieved your anxiety. Definitely. Yes. I had a a scare. Um, I actually went to emergency because I was bleeding and um, that was the first time I actually started thinking that definitely I, I really want this baby and I was praying so hard and thank God that everything was all right. You're listening to White Coat Black Art. This week, the unique clinic that helped Christine Lumalon fulfill her dream of becoming a mother. Her obstetrician, Dr. Ann Berndl, created the Accessible Care Pregnancy Clinic at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Centre in Toronto. In our studio, she told me her commitment to caring for women with disabilities began long before she became a physician. Tell me about how you became interested in improving the quality of care of pregnancy care and obstetrical outcomes for women with physical disabilities? So it probably started before I became a doctor. I worked in a foster home for children with physical disabilities. And that, I think, really gave me some insight into some of the daily challenges that people with physical disabilities have. Then when I was in uh, medical school and residency, as well as during my fellowship, I had the opportunity to uh, interact and care for women with physical disabilities uh, who were choosing to have a pregnancy. And I saw that there was not really a standard of care available for them. There wasn't always equipment that was available for them. Um, And I also noticed that there were at times negative attitudes towards them choosing to have a pregnancy. And bringing all these things together in terms of my experience, it really made me think that We needed to have a place that was accessible um, with a plan of care so that women with physical disabilities who were choosing pregnancy had a place to go where they could have high quality care. What would you say about the amount or quality of research that was available when you were getting started? There's not a lot of research that's out there looking at pregnancy outcomes for women with physical disabilities. And one of the major challenges when you're looking at the data is that Women with physical disabilities are sort of grouped together. So when you're looking at outcomes, you might have women who have spina bifida alongside women with spinal cord injuries, alongside women um, who've been in a car accident, alongside women with arthritis, uh, and put all together into a big group and then saying, we know that generally there are some poor outcomes for these individuals. Um, However, because those are such different uh, conditions or different reasons why you might have a physical disability, it's very hard to provide individualized counseling for a woman that's based on evidence. Why do you think there's been a lack of research? To be honest, prejudice. I think that 
it's not seen as something that would happen for a woman with a physical disability. So if you have a general attitude that pregnancy, it does not coexist with a person with a physical disability, then you are not going to necessarily being going to be looking into those outcomes. Probably one of the first things that we need to overcome uh, is to see that this is a choice that more and more women with physical disabilities are making. It's a very safe choice for the vast majority of women with physical disabilities disabilities. And it's a choice that we should support. You know, I'm struck by by something you said that that I guess a lot of people in in medical culture didn't believe that that women with disabilities have kids. I think it's not just medical culture, but I think it's culture in, in general. But I, I do feel uh, and I'm hoping that it's starting to change. And I'm hoping that by uh, making sure that people know about this clinic, by uh, making people aware that there are women with physical disabilities who are having good pregnancy outcomes, uh, and that this is a, a normal part of the human experience for all people uh, to want to desire a pregnancy, uh, that it will help to overcome some of those prejudices. Can you say more about um, the prejudice that the patients that you've seen have experienced? Um, I mean, I've heard a lot of personal stories, um, and those are, you know, I think really stories for those women to tell. Um, but I think that the themes that I hear behind the stories are uh, instead of feeling enthusiastic when they announce a pregnancy, um, there's trepidation. Um, I've heard of women who have chosen... Trepidation by their family? Yeah, from family members. You know, they're they're worried to tell their their family members because Hmm. they're afraid of what the response might be. I know of one woman whose uh, mother lived abroad and she didn't want to tell her mother that she had a baby until after the baby was born because she was worried it would scare her mother so much. She was worried it would stress her mom out. Um, I've heard of uh, negative interactions uh, with healthcare providers as well. With healthcare Um, providers. And I think sometimes it comes from like ignorance, uh, lack of understanding, or maybe not uh, ever having met someone with a physical disability with a pregnancy. And there's a lot of fear surrounding parenting that I hear as well. Uh, Statements, you know, how is this person going to care for a baby if they need assistance caring for themselves? Um, How is this, you know, in a baby's best interest? You know, phrases like this that I think really undermine um, what being a parent is uh, and are prejudiced against, against women with physical disabilities who who are parenting and pregnant. How do you build a clinic that that is is there for women with a broad range of different kinds of disabilities? So it is a challenge, and there is ongoing learning that we have and that we want feedback. Uh, Liz Jung, who is the advanced practice nurse that I work with, phones each person before they come in, and we talk about, you know, are you bringing any equipment with you? Do you need any equipment? Is Wheeltrans coming to pick you up? Uh, you know, timing for that sort of thing can, can be a real concern for a lot of people. Mm. Uh, so then when they come, we're prepared. We also partner the uh, the individual with one of the sonographers. So every time she comes in, they have the same sonographer. So they build a relationship together. Wow. And that's helpful. For example, let's say someone says, you know, I have a lot of spasticity in my leg when I'm in this position for too long. The sonographer already knows them. You know, they can work together to get good pictures. We also try to make sure that the care is consolidated as possible. So that means that when she comes in for her visit, uh, she sees myself, but perhaps she also sees the hematologist and she also sees the dietitian. We try to line them up so that the person doesn't need to go back and forth you know, over and over again. Do you find yourself and, and your colleagues at the clinic answering questions, providing reassurance 
when women are coming in um, saying that other members of the family or their co-workers or their bosses have misgivings about the fact that they're carrying a child? Yeah, sometimes the support is just to let them know that we're listening and having a chance to sound off about it. A part of it is is letting people know that this is a place where they're welcome, um, respected, uh, cared for, and listened to. Every person who is part of our clinic, including our desk clerks, our sonographers, all of the nurses who are there, um, any of the professionals have also participated in uh, training from DAWN, which is the Disabled Women's Network. And so when you come to the clinic, the, the clerks that greet you, uh, the secretarial staff that are there are happy to see you and have positive uh, attitudes towards it. And are, you're not going to feel uh, out of place. It sounds like can do is is the motto, uh, and and we'll help to show you, we'll try to show you ways in which you can do. Have you ever had conversations with women? Mm-hmm. We don't think this is a good idea. Mm-hmm. Does that ever come up? I think that there have been times when we've had more worries than other times, and part of my job is to say, you know, this is the information I have available, and these are the things that I'm worried about. There are very rare circumstances where I would suggest a woman should not be pregnant. Um, It is a big life choice. And again, I really believe that women make good choices for themselves. My job is to make sure people have high quality information. Sometimes there are really specific scenarios where there may be a more hard conversation. For example, there are some cardiac conditions, for example, where there may be up to a 50% chance of death to the woman if she mm. continues a pregnancy. And that's a scenario where it's really important to, to let them know about that and that they may need to make some hard choices about what they want to do in that situation. And so it's it's the the honesty, I think, about the information that, that we do have and say things like some people might choose a termination in this situation because of these reasons. And I will support you in that as well. So it's not to say you need to do this, you need to do that. Uh, Pregnancy uh, is a huge part of the life experience for people who choose to be parents. And I think it would be very hard for me to say to someone, this isn't worth that. I think part of being generally pro-choice is that I believe people can make choices for themselves if I give them good information. And people will make those decisions. How do you continue to Mm -hmm. support these women after they give birth? We follow people medically up to six weeks after they deliver, unless they have other concerns surrounding their delivery. So we do we do see them afterwards. We get to see them with their with their babies, and uh, we talk to them about breastfeeding. A lot of uh, women continue to follow up after that as well with our breastfeeding clinic. They've now sort of moved on to that next phase of being a parent, and we've been very fortunate in that we've had some women come back and say, "I'm pregnant again," and we go through the whole journey again with them. And it's, it's a lovely, lovely experience. The joy that I sense from you is immense. Can you say more about the satisfaction that you feel in doing what you're doing? I, I feel very fortunate in that uh, it's something that I, I see outcomes right away and that you get to see a baby, you know, within a year of, of seeing uh, the woman as well, uh, and that you get to journey with people, um, learn about uh, people's life stories, um, and hopefully be supportive while they're while they're going through that journey. Um, it's it's wonderful. 
That's wonderful. And maybe it's also the look on their face when when they realize that you get it, you get them. I hope so. You know, I hope uh, I hope I'm conveying that to to them that this is a place of respect. Um, you know, people says people. You know. Just people. Mm-hmm. Thanks for yeah. speaking with me. Yeah, my pleasure. Hi guys, it's me, Ty Poole, and I'm back, and I have way more questions. Things like, what are animals saying to each other? Why is space so dark? What's the science behind bullying? This season, I'm willing to go where no 7th grader has ever gone before to find you the answers. Ty asks why. Rest your eyes and prepare your ears for all new episodes of Ty Asks Why. That was Dr. Ann Berndel, the director of the Accessible Care Pregnancy Clinic at Sunnybrook Health Sciences Center. Christine gave birth to baby Dawson by C-section at the clinic on November 28, 2018. <laughs> What was it like seeing your baby for the first time? Oh my goodness, I was bawling, like I was crying so much. It just seemed so unreal, like um, my best friend was with me um, and she brought him to my cheek um, for skin to skin. She invited me to her Toronto apartment to meet Dawson and to see how she's doing. I might get emotional. I I didn't think I could have a baby because when I was young I didn't have my period on time and I had to take birth control pills in order to regulate. So um, my eldest sister had a hard time too, and she has polycystic ovaries too. I really didn't think I, I could ever get pregnant, to be honest. Um, Christine's mom moved in with her to help out. Breastfeeding was a bit of a challenge. Only because, um, like, I have strong arms, but only because of... Um, like tendonitis. Tendonitis. It's affecting me. That That is causing me to actually rely on my mom to help me position him. But um, as we kept on going to the breastfeeding clinic, they helped us um, with different positions and, and better ways of, like, having him calm down before feed. But you are having pain. You're, you're, yes. Yeah, tell me about that. Um, I ha- I'm having pain in my left leg, uh, but it's only affected me recently where um, I didn't know if it was a blood clot, so I went to emerge, um, and they told me that was a nerve damage. How are you coping with that? I'm taking Tylenol, and um, it's very... I get emotional because, you know, I want to just take care of Dawson, but I'm in so much pain, and I guess me taking care of Dawson tries overweighs, like, my pain. And you're also a single mom. Yes. Um, how much is your, your mom helping you? Oh, 24-7. <laughs> she's living with you? Yes, she is. Um, <laughs> she's been really great, and I'm thankful for her because I don't know what I would do. I guess as a disabled mom... I wanted to, you know, try to, like when I wasn't in pain, I told her um, I want to try to be alone. So one night, I, I took one night by myself, and it was it was hard, but yeah, I survived it. I do want to do this alone. I want to um, be an independent mom. Becoming an independent mom has meant taking Dawson out as much as possible. It's a chance to show off her new son and a chance to confront the doubts some have about her ability to be a mother. 
I had, are you okay with taking care of him? Maybe you should give him up for adoption. Like Really? Yes. Somebody actually suggested that. Uh, because I can't run after him. Of course, I was hurt and upset about it. But um, I've heard that pretty much all my life because I was an early childhood educator, and I've heard that about, like, why are you taking care of children when you can't run after them? People actually said that yes. to you as an, as a, as an early, yes. childhood, yeah. early childhood education. Mm-hmm. Wow. What Definitely. did you say to them? That uh, nowhere in the requirements did it say, you know, to run after the children. And I've taken care of many children, like my, all my nieces and nephews. Not once have they ran away from me. People who are disabled are capable of having children because I don't think even in the media I don't think that um, the media is aware having a special need having mild cerebral palsy I feel still I still feel blessed what's your advice for other women who might be on the same path as you um to never give up never never let anyone tell you that you can't do it um believe in yourself no matter what (laughs) sorry Thanks for speaking with me. Thank you so much. That story first aired in April, and we're happy to tell you that Christine and Dawson are doing well. We sing to him. Baby mine. Dawson started walking last month, just after he turned one. That same week, she returned to work. She wrote... Living as a single mom who's disabled has its obstacles, but Dawson has been powering through it. I'm so glad to have had the experience of telling my story. I tell everyone how lucky I was to have Dr. Berndal as my OB. Close to my heart. That's what I sing to him every, every night. <laughs> Dawson and mine. <laughs> That's our show for this week. As always, you can let us know what you thought. Email us at whitecoat at cbc.ca. You can also comment on our website, cbc.ca slash whitecoat, where we have updated photos of Dawson and Christine, as well as a lovely video by digital producer Sinisha Jolik. If you've missed any of our programs, you can catch up by subscribing to our podcast or by downloading the CBC Listen app. Next week, we'll be back with an interview you won't want to miss about one of my personal heroes, the late, great Dr. Oliver Sacks. Author Lawrence Weschler's memoir about his friendship with Sacks gives us a glimpse into a side of the doctor's life few of us know much about. He was uh, working in, in poor houses and in institutions. He was incredibly neurotic. He was wildly neurotic. And as I say, entrammeled in this writer's block which took the form of graphomania. He was writing millions of words, just not the right words. I went to the bathroom at one point, and the bathtub in his bathroom in this little clapboard house had three windows, and in each of them was an air conditioning unit because he overheated all the time. So we had three electric air conditioning units facing the bathtub, and so that was weird. That's next time on White Coat Black Art. Our show this week was produced by our senior producer, Donna Dingwall, with help from Sujata Berry, Jeff Goods, digital producer Ruby Buiza, and the rest of our digital team. That's medicine from my side of the gurney. I'm Brian Goldman. Happy holidays. See you in the new year.
For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.